Thank you, worship team, so much for leading us well this morning. Uh, I'll also wish all the fathers in here happy Father's Day. And just a quick comment, I was telling Joe before, uh, I kind of forgot that it was Father's Day, so that was considered zero in my message today. But, um, George said, Joe said the Lord works uh, in wondrous ways, because, I mean, this is really applicable to fathers today, but I think it's applicable to all of us as well. And yes, I'm going to try to make one stand work today, try to be less dramatic. So please grab your Bibles, turn with us to Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2. This morning, we've been walking through a summer in the Psalms and Proverbs, taking a quick break from Acts, right? We got all the way up to Acts 14, took a quick pause, and this is our third week. So where have we been our first two weeks? So week one, we dove into Psalm 145, one of my favorites. So David, in his final psalm, is praising God for who he is, what he has done, and what he has promised, right? We saw how God... is being praised because of his person, because of his works, his grace and his mercy, and his nearness to his people. Right? What a great psalm, and it's titled, Great is the Lord. Right? And then last week, Joe led us in Psalm 16, talking about dealing with fear. Right? And we're thinking back on our lives, what do we fear? Why do we fear these things in our lives? But Joe showed us that We don't live in fear when we declare the truths of God, right, that are found only in His Word. We gain confidence in God in doing so, and then finally we find joy in our King. We find joy in Him because ultimate joy is only found in Him, according to Psalm 16. So live not in fear, but find joy in Christ. And today, Proverbs chapter 2, I was texting Joe earlier this week, and I was like, hey, Maybe you can offer some guidance because I'm praying through it, I'm thinking through it, and I got nothing. I don't know where we're going. Um, I was looking at a couple of different psalms in the beginning of Proverbs, and uh, we talked about Proverbs 2, 1 through 15. Um, And what I want you to see today as we walk through Proverbs 2, right? Proverbs, I'm I'm learning a lot this week as, as I prep for this message because I honestly, I don't read Proverbs very much. Right? When I go to read the Word, right, I go to the prison epistles or I go to the Psalms. We love the Psalms. But uh, I personally, not intentionally because I don't like it, but have stayed away from Proverbs for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I don't, don't spend a lot of time there. So, but what I want us to see, the main idea this week is the value of wisdom. Right? The value of wisdom, as we, can, as we reflect back on the first two weeks in Psalm 145 and Psalm 16, Let's consider, right, our Lord is great. We should not live in fear because He is our great provider in good times and in bad. And if we declare His truth, we find confidence and joy in Him. And then coming to this week, the value of wisdom. So I was asking myself, what do I know about the book of Proverbs? And the answer was not very much. So I went and read some. So the author, who is the author of Proverbs? I think a lot of us would say Solomon. And yes, that is correct. But it's not a blanket answer, right? So they're, they're, they're known as the, Proverbs, or the Proverbs of Solomon. Um, Solomon was king between 971 and 931 B.C. But Proverbs of Solomon is more of a title, right, than declaring official authorship. Some sections were likely only compiled by Solomon. Uh, and some sections towards the middle between like chapters 22 and 24. And then chapter 30 were likely just written by others. And then Solomon included them. Um, but as a whole, the work of Proverbs, the, the, the book, 
um, in the Old Testament is largely attributed to Solomon. So what are Proverbs? Right? Well, Proverbs are simple moral statements or illustrations that highlight and teach fundamental truths and realities about life. Right? So what do we know? Right? How, was, how did the book of Proverbs come together in Solomon's life? So 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Solomon, he's placed as king, and the Lord comes to him and says, ask for what you would like, right? Ask me for something, and I will give it. And above all things, Solomon asks for wisdom, right? He doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for anything else in this world. He asks for wisdom, right? And Lord, the Lord says, because you have not sought fame for your name and for your house and riches... I will grant this, but I will also give you great wealth, right? And that's not a promise to us, by the way. If we seek wisdom, we're not going to get rich, right? It's not a promise to us. It's just what happened, right? So Solomon sought wisdom from God, and this is partly because of him being the son of David, right? So Solomon, earlier in his life, agrees with David. David looks forward, and he sees that Solomon is going to need wisdom and understanding in order to serve in this role. In order to be king over a great nation, he's going to need wisdom, and he lacked experience. So, coming from the instruction of his father, David, right, to this moment in time, the Lord says, what do you want? Ask. And he says, I'll, I'll take wisdom. Wisdom from you. And the Lord grants that. So, Solomon pondered, if we look back at 1 Kings 4, Solomon ponders and thinks over about 3,000 proverbs, right? These simple, short moral statements within his life. And about 500, a little bit over 500 of them are compiled. Some could argue the most important ones made it into the book, I guess. But about a little bit over 500 of them make it into the volume that we have that's known as Proverbs today, right? And all of these, uh, we know Solomon eventually in his life turns from the Lord and starts seeking the world. So all of this was likely written before that. So we see that in 1 Kings 11. He turns from God and, and seeks countless wives and riches and, and the things of this world, kind of uh, his downfall. So who is it written to? Well, this is where Father's Day comes in. Who is it written to? So this is generally written to the naive and young, right? There's a lot of instruction in this book, right, to teach someone. Imagine maybe like a discipling relationship or definitely like father to son, right? Because in chapters 2 through 7, they open with my son or some variation of that. So largely, like in general, this is speaking to the naive and young, but more specifically... Um, we can deduce at some level this is Solomon teaching his kid, right? This is what you're going to experience in life, and these are the things you're going to need to do it, right? So purpose. What was the purpose of the book of Proverbs, right? To provide moral skillfulness and to give mental discernment. So moral skillfulness meaning uh, discipline and holy living, and then mental discernment meaning determining the wise what is the wise thing to do? Well, wisdom is something that's very interesting. If, if you take some time and meditate on it and think about it, what do we really think wisdom is, right? If we polled the audience in here and we just said, what is wisdom? We'll probably get a variety of answers, especially if we included our kids in that, right? We'd get a variety of answers. And then we go outside these walls and we poll our community. What is wisdom, right? Answers are definitely going to fluctuate, 
then let's go to the world and say, what does wisdom look like in life? You're going to get so many different things, and that is because mankind does not know, right? Mankind in his self and ourself, men and women, that brings me to my first point, right? Wisdom and understanding are not found within us. That's where we're headed to start. But please join me in Proverbs chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and walking over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will walk over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. For men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Pray with me really quick. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the instruction, the value of wisdom that is found in your word in the book of Proverbs. May your spirit guide us this morning and reveal to us what is true. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to open up here with point number one. Wisdom and understanding are not found within us. Right? We think about how can we, how can we be wise, right? If you think about it, it's Father's Day, fine. How can we be wise fathers? But how can we be wise as believers in a fallen world? Right? We are still here when we are saved. We are not just delivered from this world, right? And we leave and we go to be with Christ. No, we have a period of time that we're still here. I think if you'd pose this question um, of, um, to the outside world, I think even those outside of the church would concede that mankind is not perfect. And if they are, I think they're lying to themselves, right? You can look at the grand scope of history and see, yes, good things, but you also see a lot of evil, right? Men and women making terrible decisions across history that change how history is molded. Right? and affect lives, their, their own lives, and the lives of those around them. Right? But after looking at all of that, just in general, we still find ourselves seeking the wisdom of mankind. Right? We still look to those influential in our society. We look for those um, influential in our church. Right? It's not a terrible thing. Right? We look for those uh, high in political positions right? or worldly positions for wisdom, right? What, you know, they're successful, right? They've gotten to this point, so obviously they're smart, right? They're knowledgeable. They must be wise, right? But even foolish people can make it into positions of power, right? Even foolish people can make it into positions of power. So we must ask ourselves, we're seeking the wisdom of mankind in some senses, but who is mankind? Right? Well, Scripture, starting in Genesis chapter 3, say Adam and Eve spurned the good words and instruction of the Lord for selfish gain. That doesn't come across to me as very wise. Right? Taking the Lord that has created all things, including themselves, He is giving them everything that they need, including His nearness. 
and his provision for them, and they push that aside. Genesis 8, 21b, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, which means it starts in our youth with our children. And if you've been in my home this week, you would have seen that. The evilness of my children can be great. Now, I will say on Father's Day, I love my children, right? But in my home this week, it's been tough. So if you want some stories, please find me afterwards and, and we'll chat. But yes, the intention of man's heart, which means it persists, right? We don't grow from our youth and grow up and we hit, I don't know, 26. And then, whew, now we're wise, right? We're no longer evil, right? And the intention of our hearts, no, it remains. 1 Samuel chapter 8, right? The Israelites desire a king like all the nations. They have the king of kings and the Lord of lords, led them from Egypt, has established them as a nation like he said that he would, and then they say, we want to be like everybody else, right? We want to be like everybody else. We want someone to judge us that's a man that's here with us, right? And Samuel starts freaking out, right? Lord, like, obviously this is terrible. This is not your design. And this is how God responds. Obey the voice of the people, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being the king over them. They rejected God over and over and let's fast forward all the way to the new testament because i think we dump on the israelites a lot at least i do sometimes mark chapter 6 the people that knew christ best the people of his hometown reject him they saw him grow up right they probably provided or took care of him at some point right they helped his family right they knew him And he comes and he says, I'm him, right? I'm the one you've been waiting for. And they reject him. The people that know him best, right? I would say they had the best shot, right? And they reject him as Lord, right? But just in general, right? I I don't want to look in the past. Look at our society. You can look at American society. You can look at our local community or the world, right? We see local, national, worldly leaders fall all the time because of unwise choices, right? We see business leaders, we see leaders in the church fall because of unwise choices, right? We see the fall of celebrities, those that we kind of look at in our lives and say, man, it must be great to have $200 million. Like, all of my problems would be gone, and what, right? We just see their fame and their fortune just plummet because what? They're making unwise choices. So, this inherent wisdom that we seek of, of, of how we make decisions in our lives, it can't be found within us. Something of such great value. Wisdom, right? Just having knowledge is not wisdom. Something of such great value as wisdom cannot be found within us, right? And then we, you may ask, well, what about seeking the wise counsel of men and women in the church? I'm so glad you asked, right? So, Proverbs 19.20, right? We see that it is good to seek the counsel of godly men and women. That's a good thing to do. Please do it. Paul even says to Corinth and Philippi and the Galatians, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Seeking the counsel of those that are living holy lives. That is good. But wise counsel is only wise because of its origin. It's not wise because of the person, There was nothing great about Paul in himself. He had godly wisdom because of his Savior, 
right? And because of the teachings of his king that he adopted and embraced and said, like Paul, I mean, like Josh was talking about before, he counted everything a loss, right, compared to knowing Christ. And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. But wise counsel is only wise because of its origin, not because of the person. All right, so we look at verses 1 through 5 right here. As Solomon is talking to his son, he opens, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, he is not telling his son, really dig deep within yourself, right? Take some time to yourself, get away and dig down deep and find yourself, right? No, that's not the instruction to seek within, all of these exhortations are telling his son, look outward, right? This wisdom of how you're going to serve well in this role, men, this wisdom of how you're going to serve well in your family, it's not found in you. And that's not a discouragement, that's just reality. It's not found within us, right? Don't dig deeper into yourself, right? This is not instructing to seek the opinions of influential members of society. No. Solomon tells his son that only when he receives his father's words, right, a man that has asked God himself for wisdom, right, God has granted that. So only when he receives his father's words and commandments will he understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Only when he takes that is complete truth more valuable than what? More valuable than silver. It's more valuable than hidden treasure. It's more valuable than seeking the most valuable things of this world. Wisdom, right? The wisdom found only from God. Solomon tells his son, only then, only then when you do these things, will you understand the fear of the Lord and will you find knowledge of who God is. So, are we afraid to do this, right? And I, I want to kind of make it a broad question, right? Are we afraid to look at every area of our life, right? Because I know my life, and I know I have areas that I have a good handle on, right? I feel like I'm handling this well, right? It's in my grip. I can control it, right? I feel like I'm strong enough, capable enough. I have the abilities to control this thing, Right? I have all this other stuff over here, like I don't know how to do any of this. Well, sure, Lord, I'll seek you in this, but the things that I know, I know. Right? I'm not going to seek the Lord's counsel on this because I'm skilled, right? right? I have all these great things about me. But my question is, are we afraid to do this in all things? Right? All aspects of our lives, being a father, being a mother, being a child, being a co-worker, being a leader, whatever it may be, right? The prosperity and adversity of our lives, the Lord is begging us not to fear the unknown things in our life, but instead to fear the Lord, right? This is his instruction here. Instead of fearing the unknown things in life, fear the Lord, declare the truths of Scripture, find our confidence in Him, and only then when we listen and adopt the teachings of God's Word will we understand more fully of who God is. 
So firstly, wisdom and understanding are not found within us. And why is that? Because number two, wisdom and understanding are only found in God. Let's read 6 through 8 again. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and walking over the way, sorry, watching over the way of His saints. Wisdom and understanding and understanding are only found in God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom is a gift, right? It is not from within us. It is given by somebody outside of us, right? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Jump with me really quick to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, Joe and I have talked a lot about the book of James. So sorry about that. Joe and I have talked a lot about the book of James uh, as we've been going through uh, discipleship basics together. And there's really a lot of good truth found in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, Simply ask for it. Simply call out to our king and say, I don't know how to handle this. Right? Maybe it's your life as a whole. Maybe you feel like you're failing in some area as a father or a mother or as a worker, whatever it may be. The Lord says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask the Lord and it will be given. What a promise that is to proclaim today. And I wanted to read a quick quote <laughs> I used to often say from Logan's study Bible when I didn't have a study Bible. So Joe ended that by buying me a study Bible. So thanks, Joe. <laughs> so looking at the book of James really quick. James chapter 1. I want to read this from my study Bible. Um, James' Jewish audience recognized this as the understanding and practical skill that was necessary to live a life to God's glory, right? We talked about in the beginning moral skillfulness, right? This is discipline for holy living. This is exactly what James is talking about to his audience here. It was not a wisdom of philosophical speculation, right? We think wisdom or, you know, people that have wisdom possibly sit in these rooms and just think about things all day, and they come up with this stuff that they say, like, yep, I guess this is wise. No, that's not what wisdom is. But the wisdom contained in the pure and peaceful, sorry, peaceable absolutes of God will be revealed in His Word and lived out. Only such divine wisdom enables believers to be joyous and submissive in the trials of life. Right? The wisdom to be joyous and submissive in the trials of our lives does not come from within us. It is only found in God's Word. And in verses 6 through 7a, so the Lord is providing wisdom. From the Lord comes wisdom and understanding, right? And He's storing these things up in us. Read with me again really quick. For the Lord gives wisdom, and His mouth comes, un comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Right? So we have this picture of God storing up sound wisdom within us. The question is why? Right? Why do we need it? Why does it need to be stored up in us? Why do we need to remember things? Right? Well, we need this sound wisdom, this truth, to shield us 
to guard us, to watch over us, right? We cannot guard ourselves from the evil that is found in this world, spiritually, right? But the Lord is graciously shielding us and guarding us and watching over by providing truth, right? That's a big ticket item within today's society. What is true and where can truth be found? It's not on CNN and it's not on Fox, conservatives, right? (laughs) I mean, uh, sorry, stupid joke. Um, But yes, he is providing, verses 7b through 8, why is he providing this wisdom and storing it up at us? He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and walking over the way, watching over the way of his saints. Oh, what a great picture of God storing up truth in us from himself and from his word. Right? We see in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, walk wisely in evil days. Use your time well. Understand the will of the Lord, which is the opposite of of foolishness. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, we also see all Scripture is from the mouth of God. Knowing that every part of this Word came from our Creator is a great encouragement and a great joy. And then finally, Psalm 42, verses 1-2, through we see David thirsting for the truths that are found in God's Word. As a deer pants for water, so I thirst. My soul thirsts for you. Right? My question is, how do we get to a point? Right? We as the church, how do we get to a point where we, like David, are here thirsting for the living water that is only found in God's Word? It is only found in the Word, which is Christ. How do we get to that point? I feel like a lot of times we're... We seek certain things in our spiritual lives uh, just because we want to be better at something, which is not a bad thing, right? But we seek wisdom and understanding from the Word, but are we seeking it to a level that we're saying we're thirsting for it, right? Without it, I will not be satisfied, right? I I want us to value um, God's Word and the wisdom that is found in His Son um, more than all things. And following that question, we see, right, in John chapter 4, 10 through 13, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, If you drink from the living water that I'm going to give you, you're never going to thirst again. And once you drink from this, nothing else will satisfy. I think when we, when we receive wisdom from God's Word and we learn something about Him, about ourselves, about the world, about how the church should operate, I feel like we've learned a lot about this over the past year together. When we learn something like this, nothing else really satisfies, right? Nothing else really compares to that. And Jesus is telling the woman at the well, when you drink from the water I'm going to give you, nothing else will quench your thirst. And that's the same with the wisdom that is found only in our King. And finally, point number three, with wisdom and understanding comes transformation and deliverance. Transformation and deliverance. We see in verses 9 through 15, right? Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the ways of evil. So once Solomon's son fears the Lord, back to verse 5, 
and finds knowledge of God after accepting the teachings of his Father, once he understands where true wisdom and understanding originate, where they are found, only then will he understand righteousness and justice and equity. Wisdom will come into his heart and it will please his soul. I guess the question I have for us this morning is, is our soul satisfied? Right? Is our soul satisfied in Christ? If it's not found in His Word, if it's not found in His Son, then our soul is ultimately longing for somewhere it needs to be satisfied. There's nothing here, right? There's nothing in your family. There's nothing in your work. There's nothing in this world that are going to satisfy you. There's nothing that's going to satisfy your soul like the wisdom, the understanding, and the instruction of our King. And across this whole section... Um, you may not see it, but it was, it was pretty glaring red light to me as I continued to, to, to read through it. Um, but I kept on seeing a progression, right, leading towards transformation, right? From how a person used to be, right? He's saying, receive my instruction, right? So now you have this person right here, Solomon's son, who has not received his father's instruction up to this point. And then if he receives this instruction, he will understand what? The fear of the Lord, and he will have knowledge of God. And if he does that, if he acknowledges where true wisdom and understanding come from, only then will he understand righteousness and justice and equity. So you have the transformation in Solomon's son's life as he is receiving these things. He's coming to a totally transformed mindset, seeking the wisdom of God, um, that is more precious than silver and treasure. So Proverbs 4, I'm going to turn to Proverbs 4 really quick and read verses 20 through 23. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Church family, the condition of a person's heart affects everything in our life, right? We see this often throughout the Old Testament, regardless of what rituals or, or, or things the people of God doing, all that ultimately mattered was the condition of their heart before Him, right? His goal for His people were not to become robots and do all these things, and then from this comes righteousness, right? Sorry for the robot dance, but I, I think you understand what I mean now. Right? His goal was not for his people to, all right, you go off by yourself. I've told you to obey this law perfectly. Go obey it per perfectly, and then you will earn righteousness. No, that wasn't the purpose. But they often found themselves doing their best, what? Doing all these things. We see it into the New Testament with the Pharisees, right? They're, they're keeping all of these laws the best they can, and what? Christ calls them fools. Again and again, he calls them fools and crooked, evil people. Why? Because the condition of their heart was wrong. Right? Their condition of their heart did not proclaim God for who he is and submit to him. When, a God, when God brings a sinner to salvation by his grace and his mercy and his son Jesus Christ, he takes that sinful person with their sinful heart 
of stone, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh, and then God declares, right, what? Back to Ezekiel chapter 11, and verses 14 through 21, God is saying, I'm doing so that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. You see, our ability to keep the commandments of our king is not found within us, right? God is doing this so that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them, right? He is enabling us, and He was enabling them to do it by His power and by His sovereignty and by His control, not by something. He didn't just give it to us and say, do your best, right? He is here and guiding us along the way, right? By the work of a great God who is near to His people, we are freed from, we've looked down the rest of Proverbs chapter 2 right here, we are freed from and we are guarded against the way of evil, right? Perverted speech, darkness, crooked paths, devious ways, right? We are freed from that and the Lord enables us to obey Him and to keep His word. In Psalm 119.11, the word, the truth, the living water, now that is stored up within us as we receive the wisdom that is found only from God, it protects us. It protects us from sin. It protects us from evil. Only the truth of God's word can do that. Only the truth of God's word can take a sinful person, bring them from death to life, and then protect them from themselves. Right? Let's pray protection from ourselves right? And our sinful desires, like look back over your week, look back over the last month and think, man, if I would have just prayed for protection for myself, I wouldn't have found myself in these, in these situations where I know that I'm drifting away from my king, right? We need the wisdom and the understanding and the instruction of the Lord, right? It protects us from sin and evil, but it also protects us from ourselves, and it deliver us, delivers us from sin. But ultimately, transformation and deliverance, true, eternal transformation and deliverance is only found in Christ. You see, we are a fallen, sinful people that look out for ourselves. We desire our own selfish gain. That's where sin began, and that's where sin remains today. We desire our own selfish gain, whether we admit it or not. Right? And because of our sinfulness before a holy God, we cannot be made right again. Right, Mankind fell. Right? We cannot be made right again in our own doing. There's nothing. You can't work as good as you can. And that's what all the major religions of the world proclaim. Right? Do your best. Right? And it, some of them believe in cyclical lives. Right? So after life, after life, living over and over, if you do good, do good, do good, you'll get there eventually. Right? Or even some religions right, that are similar to what Scripture teaches says, do all you can do. Yes, receive Jesus because He's great, but also do all you can do. Right? There's never assurance, 100% assurance, that we are saved. Right? That we are one day when we leave this wretched world, we will be in the presence of our King. So I guess my question is today, do you have assurance if you died today, morbid to think about, but if you died today, do you have 100% assurance of where you will spend eternity? 
It's a, it's a lovely question to consider. Uh, you'll spend some time on that one, it's really, or you'll avoid it altogether, right? Which is, I think, what we do a lot of times. If we died today, for me, my answer is yes. I know 100% where I will spend eternity because of how great Christ is. There is nothing in me, there is no wisdom in me as a father, right? I failed yesterday as a father, yelling at my kid because he just wouldn't listen. Um, but there's no wisdom found in me, right? There's nothing I've done in my life that have brought me to this position that said, yes, because you've done so great, Seth, you can be welcomed into my kingdom. No, the reality is I know I am saved and I will spend eternity with my king because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to me because of what he did. What God did through His Son is what I have trusted in. So I extend that same question to you to consider this week. Where do you fall on that question? And if it's not a resounding yes because of Christ, please, like, embrace that, right? Embrace that question and then turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Because only, we sang it in the song a few minutes ago, only He can save. Only He can save and then give us the wisdom and the understanding and the instruction that we need for our lives. So final question for us today, I guess as we're talking about the value of wisdom and and, and what we seek for wisdom in our lives, um, what do we truly value? Right? What do we truly value? Do we value status or position? Right? Do we value our homes and our families? Right? Those are good things, right? Those are not inherently terrible things. But when it comes through how we walk through our lives, how we get from day to day, how we make decisions, what are we truly valuing? When we get in a tight spot and we're like, I don't know what to do here, do we turn in prayer and fasting and seek understanding? Or do we get on the web, right, and search on how to do something, right? How do I raise my kids well? right? How do I be a good father? How do I be a good mother? How do I be a good church member, right? How do I be a good community person, right? Person living in this community. If we're not valuing the wisdom and the instruction found in God's Word, then we're not valuing or seeking wisdom at all. Um, And it's a sobering thing to consider um, this morning. So please pray with me as we ask our King to Give us his wisdom freely um, because we need it day after day as we seek to take the gospel to one another, to our neighbors, and to the nation. So please pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us wisdom and understanding from your mouth. We thank you that we can fully trust it and it's found nowhere else. God, we thank you that we can read your word and ask your spirit to guide us in truth and that you will provide because you are a God who always provides for his people. Lord God, as we continue to walk through the summer in the book of Psalms and Proverbs, Lord God, may you be glorified as we proclaim how great you are in adversity and in prosperity. And Lord God, as we seek wisdom and understanding about you, wisdom and understanding about our lives and wisdom about the church. How do we be the church well according to your word? Lord God, I'm very humbled 
this morning to be able to deliver this instruction to your people. Um, may you be glorified as you continue to sanctify, you continue to save those who are far from you. Um, and I pray that you would do so today according to what your word has said. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.